to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Good morning, everybody. That was inside thoughts that came out. <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right. So we are continuing in a series called Back to Basics. And I was worried that the old one was going to be on the board, but someone's put the new one up there. So that's cool. We're in Romans 12, and it's verses 3 onwards. And uh, yes, it's, it's Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking about things that pertain to the body of Christ. And today, Lord willing, it would be great if, if two things would be made clear. So the first thing would be uh, that the importance of a church that works in harmony, so that, that works together. And the second thing would be the importance of fostering an environment that encourages a body to work in harmony. So when I originally uh, read through Romans 12, verses 3 to 10 specifically today, I, I just kind of got this, um, I got caught up thinking about the process of temple ministry in the Old Testament and these, these Levite priests. And uh, I got to thinking what it might have been like to be a family, um, to be a small child actually, traveling with your parents to Jerusalem for the first time uh, on, a, on a day like, like Passover. And maybe, maybe you've actually bought your, your spotless lamb with you. Um, you've actually raised it. And um, as a parent, uh, despite uh, deep insisting to your children, they've actually named this lamb, which is not a good start for any temple sacrifice. But regardless, as you, as you near Jerusalem, you, you see this temple come into view. And, uh, and you walk into this huge courtyard, and uh, it's noisy and loud, and there are animals everywhere. And there are people everywhere. And there's these this men, there's this group of men. They seem to be running the show, and they're dressed head to toe in spotless white. And they stand out from everybody else. And one of them even looks like he's got armor on. He's got a big golden plate covering his chest that's covered in jewels. And he's got a gold crown on his head. And uh, your dad, he's allowed to go forward and, and take this lamb and give it to one of these priests. The dad, your dad's actually even allowed to kill it himself. But after that, the whole process is, is carried out by these men. The sacrifice is carried out by these men. And uh, as a kid, that temple would have looked huge. It's beautiful. It might have been the biggest thing you've ever seen. And you hear people say that actually God himself lives in that place. He dwells in there. And you might have asked your parents, like I would have, can we go inside then? <laughs> but your parents would have had to explain that, that only a few people are allowed to go inside there. It's actually the special group of Jewish people called the Levites. Not every Levite was a priest, but every priest was a Levite. And, and they're the one that God has chosen to minister in this temple, to perform these sacrifices. No one else is allowed to. And uh, in other religions too, in, in Rome, people served gods with a little g, like Jupiter. They call him the king of the gods. And he also had a huge temple. And uh, in his temple were, were called 
fetials. They were Roman priestly officials. And uh, these guys were pretty onto it. They were smart. They got chosen from only the noblest families. And there were only 20 of them. Or there were priestesses of Vesta. So that's this virgin Roman goddess. And again, these women that served at the temple were handpicked by the priest from only a group of suitable candidates and set aside as special. They got special privileges. They stood out to everyone in society. So thinking through all this, I thought, we've talked about in previous weeks that Paul's talking to an audience, to a particular set of people. He's talking to uh, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. And this audience probably had an idea in their head about what it meant to minister and serve to God, or our God. And one word comes to mind when I read over some of the stories, and that word is uh, exclusivity. The notion that those who minister to God are special, handpicked, set aside from everybody else, people of noble birth, people with a special whakapapa. In other words, it's not for everybody. But in the first few verses in this passage in Romans 12, Paul says the following to his audience. So this small group of Christian house churches in Rome. He says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every member's one of another. So Paul, he likens the Christian church to a person's body, to flesh and blood, just like the one each one of us have. And he seems to be suggesting that as followers of Jesus, We're members or body parts, like hands and feet, of the church as a whole. So that's every every follower of Jesus across the world, but also a member of smaller pockets of believers that gather together in local churches like us today. He also mentions that that while there may be many of us in this body of Christ, and that while people may have different roles and serve in different ways, we are all one in Christ. And that our roles, or the different ways we minister or serve, shouldn't bring us to think that we're any higher or more worthy or, or closer to God because of that role. Because we all serve out of the faith that God has given each one of us. Now, I myself um, have been asked quite a bit since accepting a role as assistant pastor, um, what's it like to be in ministry part-time? Or like to be a minister, and I'd say, oh, I'm in ministry part-time. And I'm like, I then went back and I struggled to make sense of that. I'm like, I go home, I look up what ministry means, and it means, pretty much means to serve. So, yeah, it's almost like, it's almost like someone's like, what is it like to serve Jesus part-time? <laughs> it just sounds strange. It doesn't sound right. If min- yeah, yeah. If ministry is, is serving, then are we not all called to full-time ministry? And yes, that's going to look different for each one of us. But it's ministry all the same. 
just because someone's gifting might be more out in the open, might more be up front, does not give that person the right to think they're more worthy or any closer to God. Because all of us have been selected by our high priest, Jesus. No one is exempt. No one is excluded. The important thing is, is that we do our best with what we're given. Romans 12.6 goes on to say, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Goes on to say in verse 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honour, preferring one over another. A human body, which is probably why Paul used it, is a great example of something that is many parts working together in harmony. But how many people know that when body parts are not in harmony, when they're not in agreement or not working together, that things can go downhill pretty fast? Last year I had my, um, my pinky finger involuntarily broken by someone close to me, actually, someone I really trusted, or trust, now I trust, yeah. Um, and I, as I was sitting there in hospital, getting it strapped up, the nurse was explaining to me that a pinky finger is actually quite important for the way your hand operates, and that I should take special care to make sure my uh, pinky finger heals properly. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, lady, <laughs> like, whatever. It's a, it's a tiny finger, I, I think I'm gonna be sweet. She even suggested <laughs> that I take time off work for it. <laughs> and I was just, I, could, I couldn't help but imagine, I'm like, yep, I actually couldn't do that, you'd be like that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, now nah, Ben, yeah, it's Mark. Yeah, mate, yeah, no, nah, it's, it's my pinky finger. I just, yeah, no, nah, it's been acting up again. Um, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, sweet ass, I'll keep off it, I'll keep off it. I'll see you in a couple of days, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, sweet ass, give me a bell if you need, cheers. I just, I would have never lived it down. But I must admit, over the weeks that followed, I began to realise that what she was saying might have had some merit. Looking past the fact that I was catching my pinky finger on pretty much everything I walked past, I was, I was actually struggling to pack up things properly. I was trying to rock climb at the time, and it was really... Wow, that actually wasn't a joke, but... Yeah, yeah, I could do it, I could do it. And I was, um, I was struggling to grab onto the holds. Um, I couldn't even play guitar properly. Not that I really could before that, but um, it made for a great excuse. And I actually started avoiding using, uh, using that hand, and I would instead use my other hand. And I was like, I wonder if this is a thing, and, and I looked into it, and it is. It is a thing. It's, uh, sports physiotherapy has this term. It's called compensation pattern. And it's when your body will, will go through an issue uh, with a certain body part, and your body is so smart, it'll actually figure out a way to perform the task that it needs to do by having another body part bring up the slack. Now that appears to work fine in the short term, but in the long term, it almost always leads to more injuries because the body part that was taking up the slack uh, can't maintain this extra load forever. And then it fails. So uh, 
you eventually get two body parts out of action, the initial one and now the one that was taking up the slack. And Aaron Clark highlighted last week that sometimes it takes science a little while to catch up with the Bible. And uh, I think this might be another case of that because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, when it talks about the body, it says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honoured, all the members rejoice with it. So it's important that, that all parts of our bodies play their part. And I think Paul is likening that to a church for that exact reason, saying that all members have a part to play, and they actually need to play it for the sake of the other members. So what is that part, and what do we know what we're supposed to do? Well, for a start, as believers, we've all been gifted with the Holy Spirit, who has in turn imparted to us spiritual gifts. And the Bible explains in 1 Corinthians 12 that that's not just some of us. Um, that's actually every single one of us. So no longer is ministry or serving to God, service to God, designated just to certain tribes or people groups, um, to those born in special families or even the smartest person in the room, thank goodness. The presence of God that once dwelt in that temple now dwells in every single one of us. And every single one of us is called to minister, to serve. And that's whether you've been a Christian for five days, five minutes, or 50 years. Everyone has received gifts. And why is that? Is it so we get to feel good about ourselves? Um, we get to look good in front of other people for, for purpose in life? The Bible explains that it's actually to profit the body, to help build up the church, to edify it, and to give God glory. So there are many gifts. There are heaps of gifts. Prophecy, teaching, uh, ruling, healing, uh, exhortation. But I didn't feel today to focus too much on each one of the gifts. I want to talk about the unity that the gifts should inspire. Because us as, as modern day kind of self-assured free thinkers, we like to think that, that we choose where we go. That, that we set ourselves up in a, in a in a particular church, that we make decisions on a Sunday morning based on our preferences. But the word seems to say something different. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. So it appears that ultimately God decides what parts go where. And why would he have to get involved in something like that? Why can't we just decide based on what feels right to us? I think, I think it's because if we got to decide, then we'd want to be around people that look like us, and we'd want to be around people that sound like us and think like us and are passionate about the things that we're passionate about. Yeah. <laughs> if it was up to us, I could almost guarantee that the hands would all end up with the hands, and the eyes with the eyes, and the ears with the ears, and so on and so forth. 1 Corinthians goes on to explain in verse 8 that if we were all gifted the same, then we'd not be a complete body, and we'd be lacking. If the whole body were an eye, where is the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where is the smelling? A body of Christ is supposed to have diversity, and that's what makes it so special. A bunch of different parts, all working together in unity under the head of Jesus. So for those who had good memories, one of the points I was hoping would be made really clear 
is how vitally important it is that the body works together in harmony. If a body part is not performing its duties, it puts undue pressure on the other body parts. And it's our diversity of gifts that makes sure the church is not lacking in any area. No easy questions? All right. The second point I wanted to make clear was the importance of fostering an environment that enables or encourages the body to work in harmony. So we all know we've been given spiritual gifts by the way of the Holy Spirit. So what could possibly stop us using these gifts? There are a good reason could be that you have no idea what you're spiritually gifted in. And yeah, there are numerous spiritual tests online you can take. I'll give you a bunch of different questions. And based on what you answer, they're going to strongly suggest that you're gifted in a certain area over another. Now, in my, in my opinion, they tend to be, yeah, kind of biased at things that you're good at or you're passionate at, which is fine. Clearly, people are gifted in things that they've always been good at or passionate about. And sometimes we've got people around us that are great at looking at gifts in other people. It's like an outside opinion. So you could inquire of someone you trust that you know has your best interests at heart. Hey, have you noticed something about me and the way I operate that could, that could suggest a leaning towards one gift in particular? But to me, nothing beats just asking the one who gives the gifts. And that would be our, our Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit. So we can ask him, what, what does he see in us? Because I think it's not just the things we're good at or passionate about that God spiritually gifts us in. It's also the things that he wants us to grow in. And that may mean for a period of time, or maybe for good, you may actually feel very lacking in that certain thing. Because then you need to rely on him even more. And unfortunately, another reason why people might not tend to use their gifts, uh, when I look at my own life, is fear. Perhaps it's the fear that you're going to bring something to the table and you put yourself out there and someone's going to be like, what are you doing trying that? Or is that all you got? I remember, this is the peak of my rugby career, uh, <laughs> was, was an intermediate. And I was the captain uh, for one of, the, one of the teams. We did this big round robin thing. Uh, we played for a number of weeks against all the other teams and, and the two best teams faced off in the final. I can't remember if it was a final or semi-final, it was important. And uh, so I was the captain of one team and actually my best friend was the captain of this other team and we were facing off. And I was so nervous because after all this time, we were finally got to know who was the better team. I think I'd beat him once, he'd beat me the other time. And by extension, we're going to know who the better captain is. And uh, so the big day arrives and I'm ashamed to say I pulled a sickie. On that day, I was too scared to actually play. And without me, my team got rolled pretty hard. <laughs> but for some reason, I comforted myself with, oh, well, at least I didn't lose. What a dick, eh? At least I didn't lose. They might have lost. They might have got rolled. I didn't get rolled. And then I could almost wonder, oh, what, what, what could have been? But the truth was, as obviously, as you all realize, I, I did lose that day. I might not have actually played, but I did lose. And in fact, my loss is even worse um, because I was too afraid to even try. Another thing we can, we can struggle with in that is, is when we compare ourselves to others because that can cause undue fear and anxiety. 
And I, again, I easily fall into this camp. It's like, well, what's the point of me trying to do X, whatever? I'm never going to be as good as, as them. So why don't they just do it and I can just sit out? But we know from, from well-known portions of Scripture like Psalm 139 that, that we're all a marvel. We're all made wonderful by God. And that any gift that we bring to the table will be flavoured with our own kind of special blend, something that only we No one else has experienced life quite how you've experienced it. Now, for me personally, consciously identifying and acknowledging fear helps because then I can go to God with that and ask him to help me through it. If I'm in denial, it's not going to work. And it's not just about me kind of pounding my chest and pumping myself up. Because I want to join that <laughs> I want to join that psalmist saying that it's the Lord that's my strength, that He's my shield. It's not me just psyching myself up. And what father gives a kid a bike or whatever and, and just says, Best of luck. Go for it. Yours did? Yeah, yeah. Got any scars with that? He's my dad had his hand on the handlebars. He guided me along. He picked me up when I crashed through whatever. He encouraged me to keep on, and he celebrated with me when the training wheels came off. And I think we need to remember that we serve a father, a heavenly father like that, one who, who is going to follow us through the journey. The church as a whole and us as a local church, we need to be conscious that we foster an environment where people feel safe to not only share visions and words about the giftings that they feel like God has placed on their life, but to exercise those in practice without judgment, with the grace that Paul talked about earlier, recognizing that we're not all the same and maybe we're not going to operate in exactly the same way, but that we all have the same spirit inside us and the same head, Jesus. I also go back to that verse and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or whether one member be honoured, all the members rejoice with it. When one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. I'll be honest, for some stupid reason, it almost feels sometimes like other people's success impedes on my own. Like somehow there's a limited amount of success out there. And um, if someone else takes a whole bunch of it, well, it leaves less for me especially if you feel like that person is interested or gifted in the same areas that you might be. But again, it seems like science is slowly catching up with the Bible because you're going to realize I'm quite into studies and I found this fascinating one. Edith Cowan University in Australia did this study on 36 young men. And what they did, everyone's got a dominant arm, a right, if you're right-handed or left-handed, they took their non-dominant arm and they put it in a cast from the elbow up, couldn't move it, for three weeks. And they split the group in half. Half of the group did nothing, did nothing, just went about their day. The other half of the group exercised with their other hand, the one that was not in a cast. At the end of three weeks, the control group, so that's the one who didn't lift any weights, they saw an average of 15% muscle loss in the arm that was in a cast, which makes sense. The thing that didn't quite make sense is that the one who lifted weights, the ones who lifted weights on their other arm, 
not only saw little to no in, uh, decrease in muscle strength, some actually saw an increase in muscle strength in the arm that was in a cast. Now, that's actually not an isolated study. In fact, this phenomenon is known in the fitness community as a cross-education effect. Gaining muscle strength in one limb due to resistance training will transfer to the same muscle on the opposite side of the body. And it got me thinking, when one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. So we can actually we can actually rejoice in someone else being built up and made strong because we know that as a body, it actually honours us as well. It helps us out too. Ephesians 1 talks about one of the things that God the Father has given Jesus. He said he's put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So again, none of us can, can boast about being the head. That role is performed only by Jesus. And when the body is functioning properly, every single bodily system, all the organs, the operations, all the parts, they take instruction from the head, from the brain. And there's one other thing that seems to connect all of it that's crucially involved in every single major function of the body, from all the tissue repair to the organs to the ears, the feet, and even the pinky finger. And that is the blood. The blood connects it all. It brings new life, with new nutrients, and it actually takes away old rubbish. So that happens both in our physical bodies, and we can recognize that it actually happens in our spiritual lives as well. The blood of Jesus brings new life, takes away rubbish, anything that's not profitable. John 1 says that it cleanses us from all sin, and all of us are connected in the body by the blood of Christ. So in closing, you might feel like you fit into one of these three scenarios this morning. One would be you have no idea what spiritual gifts God's given you, and maybe you've been told all your life that you've got nothing of value to offer. I'm categorically saying that that's not what the Word of God says. And anything that goes against the Word of God is a lie. So I invite you, we're going to have a little, little, little space for this, to ask the Lord this morning, Lord, what have you given me that I might use to serve you and bring you glory? And then most importantly, listen. And you may, number two, you might fit into this category, you might, you might know what the Lord's gifted you in and what he's calling you to, but maybe you've neglected it. Maybe you tried exercising it once or twice and uh, you felt judged and you're fearful and you've kind of buried that gift away like the servant in Matthew 25. Well, get your spade. It's time to dig it up and put it to use because the body here actually needs it. And Romans 11.29 says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. That means irrevocable, cannot be withdrawn. So there might be a, a process of repentance for, for bearing that gift away. But we know he's faithful to give you the strength and guidance to actually step out once again and use that gift. And maybe you're sat here and you're thinking, I know what God's gifted me in and I'm putting it to good use. And I'd say, fantastic, great. Uh, we're all blessed as a body for it. Now ask for more. So as I close, I'm going to invite the music team back up. And I just want to give a moment now for each of us to, 
to have a think about what category you might f- fit into in that and to, to ask something of the Lord. And then I'm going to pray and we'll finish with a song. All right, maybe just close our eyes for 20 seconds or so. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your promises and your word that you have imparted giftings to each and every one of us. And Heavenly Father, if we don't know what those giftings are, we ask that you'd make it clear to us. And Lord, forgive us if, uh, if we do know and we've kind of buried that gift away, Lord God, out of fear or something else. And Lord, um, we ask for more of your gifts, for more outpouring of your spirit. And Heavenly Father, as we, uh, as we go out into our weeks, may you give us opportunities uh, to not only know, but to exercise. And we acknowledge that it's not for our own glory, Lord God, but it's actually for yours, for the building up of your body, the church that you love. And I thank you that your precious son Jesus is the head of the body, Lord, and in control. And it's in his holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.